Blog Talk Radio. You know what? Turn on the Welcome back to the No Huddle Show. This is Mike. We got Sam on the line. Uh, how we doing, Sam? Hey, Mike. What's going on? I'm sorry I missed you on Monday, man. That's okay. It was just a very crappy show. Uh, I was terrible. I kind of froze up. So uh, our audience didn't miss much if uh, you were listening. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm little... We can blame it on the lack of having a producer, right? Yeah, lack of having a producer, lack of someone to bounce ideas off of. Uh I'm a little heated right now, though, man. I gotta tell you, I gotta, I gotta tell you about this little scam that that the people were trying to pull one over on me, real quick. Go ahead. What's going so, on? I'm selling um, my old iMac because you've been uh, you, you've been to the house. I got a new iMac. Uh, I don't have much need for the old one. Okay. Uh, plus, I got this Google Home system that's never been opened. That was a gift from the jewelry store when I bought. Uh, when I bought Shreya uh, a present, they they included it uh, as like a gift to me for spending X amount of money, whatever. So, selling it on Facebook, I have it designated for local pickup only because I don't, I'm not trying to, you know, it's a it's a desktop computer. It's fairly heavy. It's going to cost at least fifty bucks to ship it anywhere. Um, I start getting about it. I'm like, okay, cool, and um, you know, but a lot of these people they're in Texas. They're in Louisiana. They're, they're going to make me ship it. So I started, and then they all wanted to pay with Zelle, so I kind of got hit to some, you know, something seemed off, right? So anyways, I talked to this, talked to this guy. He's all about it. He is the first person that looked like they had a legitimate profile on Facebook and on Instagram, okay? So anyways, this dude – Asked for my Zelle information, so I send him my email address and my phone number, okay? So he asked me then, as soon as he said, he's like, I sent the money, did you get it? I'm like, let me go check real quick. So I go to my emails first because I'm looking for the email from my bank that says Zelle activity. And I didn't have an email from Zelle uh, from Huntington, and I looked in my bank account, nothing's changed. Then, lo and behold, I see an email from Zellpay, and it's an email that looks like it's from Zell. And then you read through it, and you're like, hmm. But you read through it, and then it's like, oh, someone tried to send you money. We declined it because you don't have a business account. Ask that user to send you another $300, and that way you can be upgraded to our business account. And I'm like, why would the user need to send me $300 to upgrade to a business account? Right. So obviously the email, as you work in IT as well, Sam, you get trained to look at phishing emails and notice irregularities that don't make sense, right? Right. So then I, then I told the dude, you know, what it said. Then he's like, oh, I got the same email. He's like, I promise I'll send you $300 if you send it back. There's another red flag because I'm like, well, yeah. what's probably oh, going to happen is I'm going to get screwed out of $300. Correct. So then being the savvy IT person that I am and the fact that I'm working in towards cybersecurity, I go to the email address. I click on it. It says it's from zellpay at gmail.com. Yeah, that's not Zell, dude. Yeah, Exactly. Because Zell has their own email. They're not fucking using gmail.com. So then I just kind of lit into this dude, told him, go fuck yourself. You're a scammer. You have to wake up a whole lot earlier in the morning to pull one over on me. And he got no response. And so I'm just like, you know, I'm just trying to sell something. I don't need all these people scamming me out of money. This is Because I've never had issues on Facebook Marketplace before. I've sold. I've sold I think now the market's been completely flooded with, like, all the all the different types of scammers that can now use all these digital avenues to, to you know, coerce money out of people. It's just, it's, it was frustrating. I was like, so, yeah, it's, I'm like, I'm done for now. <laughs> I'm going to find a different way to do it. Um, 
also want to talk about real quick, man. So thank you, Sam, for letting me get that off my chest. By the way, I'm just I'm just a little heated, and uh, but you know I'll get over. Oh, but it's always good to catch these guys in, in, in you know in the act. You know that's that's the satisfying part of it, you know, right? Oh, satisfying, very satisfying. Um, we lost uh, another uh, comedy legend, uh, Louis Anderson, passed. Yep, Louis. Bob Saget recently passed. Meatloaf also, um, he also you know, passed. A artist passed, and you know we had Betty White die just before the beginning of 2022. But man, it seems like there's yeah, there's been a lot of uh, heavy hitters uh, passed recently. So I just want to say condolences to the families of everybody we mentioned, and uh, you know um, they brought us a lot. They'll of- always be remembered, you know, for what they've yeah. done. You know, absolutely. All right, man. So starting off, uh, we got playoff talk. Uh, we're gonna open that up. We got a pretty big show that we're gonna try to cram into an hour on a Friday night here. But we have uh, the divisional playoffs coming up. All right. So obviously, I'm a local to Cincinnati, so I'm a big fan of the Bengals. Um, we're not gonna. I'm not gonna harp on that game too. I mean, you know, we're gonna cover everything. But I want to ask you. How healthy do you think Derrick Henry is going into Saturday? Not healthy enough, man. <laughs> Not healthy enough. That's the truth. That that and the, the problem is they haven't developed a game without him really. You know, they they've had filling fillers, you know, with with Foreman yeah. and and uh Hillard, I think it was, you know. Yeah. Um they had a couple of fillers. They had a couple of fillers here and there. AJ Brown, you know, came alive late in the season. Julio Jones, who's been MIA pretty much all season, is 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 back. I guess it's a good weapon to have, but um, I don't know, man. Like I am not very confident about the Titans team. I, I believe they're underdogs. Is it? Am, am I correct in, in no, saying that? They're, they're the favorites at home. Are you kidding me? That's a bunch of BS. That's Vegas trying to steal everyone's money. The Bengals are going to win, man. Everybody, everybody wants to talk about Titans and how they went six and three down the stretch. But can I tell you who they played? They so well, they played a bunch of garbage teams, man. I know they lost to they lost yeah. to the Jets, by the way. FYI, they did lose to the Jets. I think wasn't there a lot of injuries or COVID related issues that time or something like that when they played the Jets? I yeah, believe. bro. Yeah. An L is an L is an L, right? I mean, it's true, but the Jets also beat the Bengals, so. Yeah, I don't know what the commonality there is, but still, regardless. But but here's the thing, man. So they lost to, uh, you know, obviously I think Derrick Henry got hurt. They said it was about well, week eight, right? So one, two, three, four, five, six. So he got hurt in the Colts game, which they ended up winning in overtime. Then they beat the Rams and the Saints, but then they proceeded to lose to the Texans and the Patriots. Then they come off their bye, and they won four out of the last five games. They beat Jacksonville, San Francisco, Miami, and Houston. Three of those four wins were against non-playoff teams. And then the one playoff team they did face, they faced two playoff teams in that stretch. They lost to Pittsburgh, and they beat San Francisco. So, as you were saying, you can't really feel super comfortable if you're a Tennessee fan because they haven't really seemed like they've been able to get offense going, um, you know, this season without Derrick Henry because the passing game is wholly predicated on Derrick Henry being healthy and them living Absolutely. All these long balls to A.J. Brown uh, that was hitting last year was all predicated on, like, play action and things of that nature. Or, you know, just a really good look where you see the, you know, the safety coming up closer to the line thinking it's going to be a run and you give have enough time to, to throw a 60-yard bomb to A.J. Brown. Yeah, you'll get lucky with a couple of those in, in a game, but if you don't have Henry doing what Henry does, that doesn't exist anymore. Then then, then the safety will just sit back and be like, all right, I'll, I'll catch him when he, when he gets back. So – the injury that Derrick Henry had was a Jones fracture, which is a fairly – Oh, that's no bueno. Yeah. Not for a running back. Not for a running back. And it's a fairly significant injury. Now, a Jones fracture takes up to 12 weeks to heal, though the average recovery time is about six to eight weeks with with a surgical approach. 
Now, it says here, and this is on sportsmedicine.sportsmedicineorgan.com, uh, sorry, that people who have suffered a Jones fracture can, have, can expect activities in about four months, okay? Now, if I'm not mistaken, Derrick Henry got hurt at the end of October. So it's been about, I want to say it's probably been about three and change. Maybe two and a half to three months total, right? All of November. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's been about uh, all of November, all of December, and then a couple weeks in January. It's been about two and a half months. Not okay, let's let's take into the fact he he has really good genetics. He's a super athlete and 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 all those other things. And he has top notch medicine and and doctors available and things that are being monitored on a daily basis that the regular person doesn't have. Maybe you Correct. can shorten that duration of four months down to three or two and so, change, but you're still you're you're getting normalized to to life. I don't think you're getting normalized to being hit by 250-pound linebackers, you know? Exactly. I, You know, and maybe he is healthy enough. I mean, Derek Henry kind of is a genetic beast, I will say, you know. But the other thing is, man, he was – He's running the risk of, of a long-term injury, though. He is, especially with that injury. But this, this year, do you know he was on pace? Do you know he played in eight – Yeah, he was on pace for like 2,000, I think, yeah. But he, but not only that, in eight games, in eight games, he carried the ball 219 times. He was on pace 400. 400 carries, holy moly. 75 carry season. That's the highest ever, right? No, I don't think, I don't know if it's the highest ever. Um, I would need a producer to look that up, uh, you know, for me and tell me what the most carries in the season are. But uh, it's definitely up there. He had 378 last year, which was a career high. Uh, and he was on pace for 475. So, um, I, you know. I Eventually, the body's going to have to break down a, a bit after that much usage, right? That's a lot of wear and tear on yeah. his body year in, year out. Well, that would have been that would have been the record by far. Larry Johnson set the record in 2006 for 416 carries. Derrick Henry was on pace for 475 this year. So he would have set the record had he played the, a full season. Yeah, at the same pace. At the same pace. Let me tell you this: Larry Johnson, the year after he hit 416, ACL, right? No, the year after he hit 416. He never rushed for a thousand yards again. But didn't he have an injury though? He had an ACL injury I don't or know something. If he had AC, but he only played in eight games the following year, twelve the following year, seven the next year, and then he was out of the league after that. Yeah. So. Yeah, Chiefs, Chiefs, Chiefs fans used to love Larry Johnson, man. Oh, he had two outstanding seasons. He had a 2005 where he ran for 1,750 yards and 20 touchdowns. Uh, and then he had uh, the next year where he ran for 1789 and 17 touchdowns. I mean, you know, so he was – Larry Johnson was a beast, but, you know, Derrick Henry, if he takes this beating, you know, I know Tennessee and in the NFL you kind of have a small window, so, you know, unless you're the Patriots, but you have a relatively small window to win a Super Bowl with the roster that you've constructed before you kind of have to go through a small rebuilding where you got to replace guys that left in free agency and draft and develop guys. But, or, just, or just positional players just aging, right? Right. Or, but, man, i got to tell you, if I'm the Titans – I still feel like they got a window next year. Let's see if you can win this game without Derrick Henry, and then maybe if he if he's there for the AFC title game, or even then uh, perhaps the Super Bowl, then you run with him. But man, I gotta say, I don't. There's I have a bad feeling about Derrick Henry in this game, and the bad feeling is not that he's going to run crazy over Cincinnati. The bad feeling is that he's gonna get seven to nine carries deep, and he's going to get hurt. Yeah, I mean, I, I see, the thing is, whenever I feel like play, NFL players of, of high caliber positional players, right, coming back uh, off an injury come playoff time, like RG3, for instance, you know, I, I didn't have a good feeling with him coming back at all. You know, yeah. RG3 should not have been playing, you know, at the end of that season for Washington. Same with Henry. Um, yeah. I feel like Henry... If he is 
you know, he knows that the, the lifespan of a if an NFL running back is very short to begin with, right? He's sure. aware of that. So with him being aware of that, I, I would think he would take a little bit more of a cautious approach. I think NFL players, we, we touched on this, like NFL players should kind of start taking the approach that NBA players are taking with their bodies, you know, very long-term cautious, especially if you're a top three, top five in your position, top ten in your position, you have to take care of your body for the long run. Yeah. I don't know. I still think that the uh, Bengals are going to win. Uh, Titans, you know, the Bengals have a good uh, – they have a good front line. They have a good secondary. Um, on the other side of the ball, they have good offense on all, on all cylinders. So I, I don't see why, why they can't win. But in the same token, some of it may come down to, like, coaching too, you know. Yeah. And Bray, well, here's the one stat that scares me a little bit. Mike Rabel, coming off of bye weeks, is eight and zero. Yeah, he's got like very Belichicky type of vibes sometimes. You know, like Rabel can come through big sometimes on on very weird wins, right? He played for Belichick and he coached under Belichick. Yeah, right. That's why I said he's got that very Billy Billy boy vibe. You know. All right, uh, the Bills and the Chiefs, a lot of pundits are basically calling this the de facto AFC championship game, basically saying that whoever wins the Titans and Bengals doesn't matter because they're going to lose to whoever wins the Bills and the Chiefs, which I don't know if I – I don't believe that. I don't buy that at all. I don't yeah. buy that one bit. So. But uh, how well, – on a scale of 1 to 10 – uh, one ten being the most confident and one being the least confident. What is your confidence scale on Mahomes making a third straight Super Bowl? Oof, uh, I'd put it right middle of the pack, man. I mean, he still has the ability to do it, but like again, I, I we've been talking about this all year. Their run game is non-existent, you know, and there's only so much he can do with his arm. At some point, Tyree Kill was banged up towards the end of the season. I'm sure he's healthy now. Uh, you know, so is um, uh, so is Kelsey. But, like, they don't have many other pieces that are really kind of moving besides that. I, I, I'm, I'm confident that they can make a run for it, but if there's a chance for an upset, there, there can be an upset. Like, I can see the Bengals upsetting the, the Chiefs. I can see the Bills upsetting the Chiefs. I can even see the Titans upsetting the Chiefs. Okay. You know, in a really weird game script way. You know, I can see the Titans yeah. beating the Chiefs. But then again, it's very hard to bet against Patrick Mahomes. So I'll say, it, it, you know, that's why I said middle of the pack, right? I'm not super confident, but I'm not, you know, I'm not the other way either. But do you think it's going to be a tough game to uh, for Buffalo to go into Kansas City and win? No, man. I don't think so. No. I really don't. Because now I think I see, like, the Bills are being smarter. They have weapons. They have Knox back, who caught two touchdowns uh, last game. They have a lot of pieces that are now coming back. Just, you know, I, I will, I'll even go and say, like, being able to have, like, a tertiary option of Cole Beasley is good to know, right? He's a proven product still. Third option for, for, for Mahomes is who? Pringle? You know? Yeah. I mean, doesn't doesn't isn't Emmanuel Sanders there too in Buffalo? He is, he is. But like, so you have like you like I said, you have so many options. You have I I think there Gabriel Davis is there too, right? Gabriel Davis, yeah. Right. So you have a lot of a lot of uh, you know parts that can score on that offense, and then all of a sudden this run game is just Singletary's come alive. So I mean, it's working, and they're running with it. So I'm not confident that the Bills – I mean, that the Chiefs are just going to be, like, wipe them out type of deal. That's not going to happen. No, I don't think you know? so. But I, do. I think it's going to be competitive, and I think it, and I hope it's, it'll be a shootout because that's the best way to kind of pl- watch playoff games. You know, it's very exciting to watch shootouts like that. So, you know, if it works out, great. But if it doesn't, I would hate to see it go the other way where, like, the Bills get – like, I mean, the, the Chiefs get mollywopped by, like, yeah. by, by the Bills, right? I wouldn't I wouldn't want to watch that either. I don't think C is CH back. He's back. To, he's going to return this Saturday or Sunday. Okay. Sunday. okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe they have some because uh, you know in very small spurts when he was healthy they had 
similar to that Damian Williams Super Bowl winning year offense, right? Yeah. In small spurts, a very, very small sample size, you know, one, two game season out of the entire season did that happen, though. Um, all right, so going over to the NFC, um, we got the Packers and 49ers on Saturday, um, and then you got the Bucks, Rams. Packers, 49ers. Man, another, another very storied, you know, like matchup, you know, between both the both the, the franchises, yeah. you know, very, very uh, storied, you know, uh, history there between both of them playing at the largest, one of the largest stages, right, in football. In the NFC title game two years ago. Right. Um, and then that is when, um, uh, what you we'll call it, that is when the 49ers ran all over the Packers. Just ran all over them in route to the uh, Super Bowl against the Chiefs. Um, I don't know if I foresee that happening this year. Um, the 49ers, I don't think, have Elijah Mitchell back. I think they're going to have to run Jeff Wilson, Debo Samuel also carrying the ball. But, you know what? See, Debo Samuels, if you notice a lot of Samuels, um, his rushing attempts, there are a lot of, there are a lot of sweeps, right? Yeah. And, and their sweeps, though, are very based on position of where the ball is, you know? So if he has a longer length of the field to go on either side is when they'll run that sweep. Yeah. Because he can outrun them on edges. And I think that's a really cool – uh, stat, because I, you know, a buddy of mine threw that stat out there to me, and he just like, when it comes to rushing, you know, on the edge off of sweeps, he's like ninety five percent accurate, you know. Yeah, he, he he barely gets touched, you know. So and he was always a uh, a punt returner, kick returner in college too. So he um he knows how to work the all the angles of the field. For sure, and he's he's very very skilled player. He's a you know, uh, what they call a Swiss Army knife. He can do a lot of things. Um, there's actually a guy coming out this year uh, out of college that reminds me a lot of Debo Samuel, and his name is Wandale Robinson. Um, Who did he play for? Well, he played in Nebraska for two years. He transferred. Then he had a great season at Kentucky, and he entered the draft. Um, I think he – caught like 92 balls in the SEC for Kentucky this year over a thousand yards and like nine, eight or nine touchdowns, but he can also run the ball too out of shotgun. Um, he's really effective in open spaces. Um, he's not a big guy. I think Wendell Robinson's only like five, eight or five, nine. Um, Debo Samuel, I believe is a little bit bigger than that. Yeah. Um, but you know, Wendell definitely reminds me of a similar type player of Debo Samuel. Is he like a like a Tavon Austin type of deal? Uh, who? Tavon Austin. No, he's bigger than Tavon Austin. He's not as fast as Tavon. He doesn't have the top end speed that Tavon does. But he's 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 um he's a lot bigger than Tavon. Oh, I'm sorry, Wendell Robinson. I was thinking he's five nine. He's five, actually five foot eleven. Oh, he's he's a legit receiver. Yeah. Um, so Tavon Austin was only five foot seven, and Devo okay. Samuel is also five foot eleven. Right. So you know, Wayndale's game reminds me a lot of Devo Samuel. So we're kind of seeing when things come out. But um, now we got to go to the Bucks game, and they're banged up on that offensive line. Tr- Tristan Wirfs is very uh, uh, he's real banged up. Not sure if he's going to play. Sunday or not, that can spell doom for Brady against that front seven. Yeah, forward. see, Brady's game is so much predicated on his O-line being fully healthy and running because that gives him the time to do his reads and, and then, you know, unleash or whatever he's got to do, right? Not having – he plays left tackle, doesn't he? Who, worse? Yeah. yeah. Plays left oof. oof. Not having your left tackle is a big deal. Yes. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent, man. It's I don't know, especially with Aaron Donald and Von Miller, and I, you know, um, that defense is just so tenacious. And like Von Miller just came alive all of a sudden, like the last stretch of like two, three games. Yeah. He came through with the quarterback hits and the hurries, and he came. I think he had a sack and like a forced fumble. I think last last game against Kyler Murray. They were great against the mobile quarterback. Imagine having to deal with an immobile quarterback. Right? Exactly. I don't know, man. I think it's going to be tough. But, you know, 
I don't know. I, my gut tells me this is the year going to get a Super Bowl that nobody expected. Right. Okay. okay. I what? No. What? Okay. Like, no, you don't believe that, or, or like, maybe. No, I, I, I think that's a good uh, bet to take. But like, I, a part of me still wants to see like a Rogers Brady Super Bowl. You know. Well, you can't see a Rogers Brady Super Bowl because they're in the same. Place. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I meant to say, um, uh, uh, uh Rogers, Rogers Mahomes. Yeah. Yeah, I would like to see Kansas City Green Bay. But I'm going to be honest with you. Cincinnati doesn't make it. The team from the AFC I'm really pulling for is Buffalo. Buffalo, I would love to see, honestly, like Buffalo go up against almost anybody, whether it's Tampa Bay, the Rams, the Niners, or the Packers. Yeah, um, they have the offense to, to go, like, all all out. And they've never won a Super Bowl. Uh, so I, would, I wouldn't mind seeing Buffalo get there. Um, but obviously, I want to see my Bengals get to the Super Bowl. I just don't think this is the year that it happens. If Burrow continues to improve and get better, and the Bengals kind of improve as the O line and, and add some pieces on defense, I could see us going to a Super Bowl in you know a year or two. But I, this year, it's a little bit too early to see. But you know, who knows? You know, we beat Tennessee. We're in the AFC title game. Who knows what can happen? So. Right, exactly. So, and, and you know what? In the in the same token, right? Well, however far you guys have made it, I think it's just the next step to just build on your yeah. following year, right? So, I think the biggest thing is I don't think you guys lack talent across the board on anything. But if it ever comes down to like a coaching scenario, I think your coach still needs some prep work in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Seasoned experience in the playoffs, I would say, even right. Yeah. Look at the coaches left. In the in the league, or like left in the playoffs. Obviously, Bruce Arians, as a coordinator and as a head coach, has has a lot of experience in super, not only Super Bowls but at, in winning in the playoffs, right? Because he did it in Arizona as head coach. He's done it in Tampa Bay. Then he was in Indianapolis as an offensive coordinator. He's in Pittsburgh for a long time. So then you look at also in the NFC. Uh, you know, Matt LaFleur, who's been coaching the Packers for a couple of years now and was with the Titans. You got Kyle Shanahan, who's got a lot of experience. And then um, you got uh, Sean McVay, who's obviously been to a Super Bowl. And then going on the AFC side, you got Mike Vrabel, who played for the Patriots for a long time, was an assistant coach for the Patriots. He's been in the playoffs with the Titans as a coach. Um, Zach Taylor is, is new. This is his first playoff you know, run, as as you mentioned. And then you got Andy Reid, who has a dearth of playoff experience plus Super Bowl experience. Uh, and then uh, Buffalo, really the yep. only other Sean McDermott, who I don't know what his background was before becoming the head coach. But, you know, he's been to the playoffs before. But I would say of the – I think he was he was on the – he was on those uh, sh- um, teams that, that uh, made to the playoffs. Uh, You're right. He was a defensive coordinator of the Carolina yeah. Panthers team mm-hmm. that went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So, you know, obviously Zach Taylor was a quarterback's coach for the Rams team that went to the Super Bowl. But, you know, it's a little bit different being the head guy. So, right. plus McDermott's been there since 2017. So, what, this is like four four years he's been coaching, you know. Um, so, actually, this was his fifth season. I apologize. And this is the fourth time or third time he's been to the playoffs. So, Oh no, it's um, we'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, I do think that Zach Taylor is the least seasoned, as you were saying, of the coaches. All right, before we get to our next segment, as always, uh, we want to give a shout out to our fans for helping our show grow, uh, interacting with us on Twitter. It's always fun to to answer questions and when people retweet some of the things that we're saying to them. Uh, as always, you can call in. At 563-999-3761, if you want to talk to us or argue with us or call us stupid or, you know, whatever other insults you want to hurl at us, that's fine. We can take it. We're grown men. We're 40. Um, anyways, um, time. Uh, are you ready for it, man? Are you ready for a little CC action? We haven't done yeah. one in a very, very long time. In a while. Time. In a while. We need some sponsors, man. This one's for the sponsors. This one, yeah, this was perfect for the sponsors, although you would probably have to get someone that dabbles in the chronic to sponsor us. Unless Dr. Dre wants to. Shout out to Dr. Dre. Be real. 
<laughs> All right, let's uh, here we go. So as always, it's a Friday tradition. We haven't done it in a couple weeks. Uh, here we go with the Chronic Corner. Guys, we're back with the Chronic Corner. All right, man, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Um, someone sent me a survey. Uh, so I've been, you know, taking a look at doing some freelance writing work for a couple of different cannabis companies. Um, thanks to you, Mike, uh, on the uh, on the tip for for Toker's Guide. But um, I got a survey that that you know asked me to to rank my my methods of ingestion. You know, so whether that- it be uh, cookie. Bowl, bong, joint, blunt, or, um, you know, uh, the other one would be like a rig if you're doing like any kind of oils. So okay. if you were to pick method of ingestion, what would you pick? Oh, I mean, smoking it, right? Or yeah, but like what, what – see, again, the, ch- it, the choice has to be specific. So is it through a bong, a bowl, a joint? Joint, I would say. Joint. That's the cleanest way. That's the only way that I would too. You know, um, I mean, I, not the only way, but that's my choice, right? That's my choice. And my second choice, if I had to rank a top three, has okay, to be bong. Number one is going to be joint. Number two would be like bong or what was yeah. that? What a was bowl. That, what was that shit that we used? Yeah, bowl or bong. What was that shit that we used when we did the um, the smoking thing with the contraption, um, the hookah? Oh right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could you could pop it into a hookah as well. And right. then number three would be like make it into a brownie and eat it. Okay, so like sixty six percent of the people picked brownie. Wow. Yeah, dude. Like a really high percentage picked brownie because I guess the people that they're interviewing are a lot older, probably like in their fifties. And I noticed that like going to out to the dispensaries here in Michigan, I've noticed that the clientele, the, the customers that are walking in are, are the people that probably were part of, like, the parades for, like, you know, freedom of uh, your speech and, like, fuck Vietnam, you know, back in the 60s and the 70s, sure. you know. They were part, probably part of that whole generation that had to kind of look the other way. But now that it's fully legal on multiple levels, it's okay to, to now start checking it out. So interesting, interesting things. Um you know, going into some sponsorships, uh, you know, if we can uh, get a producer, Mike, or, you know, maybe I'll take a look at some some, some uh, cannabis companies, maybe we could try to sponsor them, especially through, like, Soaker's Guide or something like that, if you're interested. 100%, always. Okay. okay. So the last thing I want to I want to talk about is, uh, before we, you know, move forward, is, uh, do you remember, like, growing up, do you, do you remember the names of, like, the of, of the weed that you would get? No, I don't. Not at all. <laughs> you don't remember any of the names? No, man. Not, not one. Not one bit. Not one bit. Okay. So, like, for me, I guess I would say, like, I, I still remember the, the time when, you know, people stopped selling outdoor and they started selling, like, hydroponics and things like that. So, so that stage was like very. It, it changed the the avenues of of how, you know, how marijuana's kind of grown. So, like some of those genetics that were grown in the '90s and the 2000s, those genetics need to make a comeback now. And you know, I've been talking to a couple of people that have been in the industry for a long time, and they're and they're interested in picking up, you know, um, these these older, I would I guess you would call them retro strains, you know. Okay. And then, and the strange thing is that if you would smoke it, you would like you would think it was back then. It would still taste the same. It would still smell the same, and it would burn the same. And and for people that are enthusiasts, you know, it's like a little a little bit of a nostalgic kind of you know throwback. So, the industry's moving in many different directions. You know, I think that that the more that we educate people about 
you know, uh, the cost-benefit analysis of, of ingestion, right? Um, I think it's, you know, it's something that's just going to grow now. And I think it's going to become a federal thing at some point, too. Uh, is that a federal thing? Yeah, I think I think that, you know, at some point, the, the, the you know, the federal government is going to remove it as okay. a as a uh, as a banned substance, you know, on their list of of uh, Schedule One Class A, you know, uh, whatever it is, they, you know, they'll, they'll remove it because enough states have then now made it medical and recreationally available, where they can. I mean, they can't really persecute them for that. That'd be. Uh, It'd be like the Wild West, like the yeah. whole. The whole, the whole, literally the entire United States would be growing weed. <laughs> oh, what a wonderful, what a wonderful vision! <laughs> right? It would be like Canada, pretty much. <laughs> it would be like Canada. <laughs> it would be like Canada. <laughs> oh, Canadians are crazy. <laughs> All right, man. Do we got any more for the Chronic Corner? I think we're going to call it Even Stevens for now. All right. And, uh, you know, let's, let's you know, let's uh, be you know, strategic and re- and we'll reach out to some, some sponsors that we can probably get, you know, have we can product, to let, we'll let, let them know, Mike, that we can product test for them as well. Perfect. Yeah, I'm always down for product testing marijuana. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Quality assurance, quality assurance, quality. man. It's a big thing. All all weed must go to the uh, the podcast for testing. So, um, all right. Well, what a great chronic corner, man. Thank you for bringing that back. That was uh, fantastic. It was, uh, it was good to hit that again. Um, let's see here. Um, we got uh, UFC 270 coming up on Saturday. Uh, what do you got for me there? You know what? I kind of I kind of want to talk to you. That can can we walk through the card real quick? Sure, we can. Uh, let's see. We got um, on the main card. You got Trevin Giles versus Michael Morales. You got Cody Stallman and the bantamweight versus Saeed uh, Norma. Uh, you know, Khabib's brother. Sorry. Uh, Said Norma Gumadov, uh, Michael Pereira versus Andre Salaho, and then Brendan Moreno versus, uh, I can't even pronounce his name, da- Davilson Figueredo, and then the main event is Francis Ngannou versus Cyril Gaines. So, uh, excuse me, uh, I, I think the entire event is being carried by that heavyweight matchup, obviously, right? For- um, everyone's going to be waiting on that matchup. The undercard is very weak. You don't even have like gatekeepers or, or rising prospects. It's, in some cases, you do, but I think the undercard on, on this is very, very weak. It, oh. a, a card like this needed at least like a, a a secondary matchup that sits on the undercard that's that's just as popular. Agreed. I mean, you got. Uh, I think this is uh, Khabib's brother. Sorry. Yeah, but the Figueredo uh, match matchup is also really it's highly touted too. You know. Um, yeah. I don't know, so, man. I, you know, I like Francis and Ganu. Um, you know, I think. So do I. But I've never, uh, you know, as bad as this sounds, I've not heard of the guy he's fighting, Cyril. Game. Um, yeah, never heard yeah. of him. He's the interim champion, apparently. Yeah. But uh, he doesn't really – I mean, he beat Junior Dos Santos and Alexander Vokalov. He beat Derek Lewis at UFC 265 a few months ago. Right. I, I, I don't know, though, man. Like, honestly, uh, and Francis, uh, you know, he lost to Derek Lewis, and he lost to, to Stipe Neosik, but he then avenged that, and he beat Junior Dos Santos and Cain Velasquez. I, I don't know, man. Uh, to me, the UFC is struggling right now as far as a lot of names. Um, I don't think, you know, now Francis Ngannou wants to go try his hand at boxing. Boxing. That, that, see, that's what I was going to tell you. I think this whole side sport of, of, of boxers, like, and I think I would have to say Conor McGregor is the first to do it. Sure. You know, 
pulling in a fight with Mayweather was like a rabbit out of the hat for 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 an MMA fighter to be able to do. All of a sudden, every MMA fighter now thinks that they're going to make more money, and they probably will. But they now they want to venture out and they want to go do the boxing thing, and it's ruining both sports. You're losing quality, you know, uh, fighters that are MMA fighters that are saying, screw this, I could just go box like three times a year and make the same amount of money or more. Um, and then you, ha- then you have boxing, then all of a sudden is now getting diluted with this different group of, of fighters, right? And you'll never, and then you'll have guys that are, that'll take the easy way out, you know, in, in boxing, right? At some point you'll have ranked guys that'll be like, you know what, screw it, I'll just fight this guy, you know, because he's, he's a, a newbie. Yeah. And and let me let me take a shot. It's it's gonna mess up boxing too, right? Well, and you know the thing is though, UFC fighters are doing this because they see the paydays that are happening. In yeah, Dana, I think I think the UFC is having the same problem that almost not same, but like in a weird way, parallel way to the problems that WWE seeing. You know? Yeah. And believe it or not, these bare knuckle you know fighting championships, they these guys actually get paid. You know, they get paid more than they would have at for the UFC. Well, you know, you look at uh, in the UFC, a lot of the a lot of the pay also is based on pay per views, winning, and how much people are paying to see you fight. Right. You look at a guy like Kamaru Usman, who's one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world. Right. He's he's big time. He, if he was a boxer, his fights would be going. Kamaru Usman made six hundred and forty thousand dollars in two in in twenty twenty. Now, yeah, think about it here in boxing. You know, you can make that in one. You can make that in one match. Hell, really. you're making more than that. Um, yeah, of course. But I'm just saying that that I can see the the allure to want to go over to boxing. And and Francis totally sees him. That's why he's like, oh, you know, this is the last time I'm going to be doing a fight for 500, 600K. And, you know, he's like, I'm doing them a favor. And and I genuinely think he's going to leave, you know, if they don't give him more money. Sure. But I don't think he generates, you know, those kind of views, man. Like, Conor McGregor made money, bro. He made money. In the UFC, he made money, dude. You know, he made he made he made a lot of money in the UFC because he negotiated a better pay per view payout for himself. You know, these guys they have to hit that kind of stratosphere where they're pulling the division for two, three, four years, bringing in all these extra views and all these, you know, more and more subscribers to the sport itself. The way Conor really did that, and that's why I think he kind of dictated. His his contracts. He dictated how much he got paid, and Dana White had to pay the man. Unfortunately, you know, he had to pay the man. And and Khabib, on the other hand, was not like that. He didn't have to demand it. It's like he took whatever they gave him, and he probably got paid more than everybody else too. But still, you know, um, Francis just has a bad negotiation team, and you should be, if you and you got to pull the division that you have. You've been you just became heavyweight, you know, title holder just not too long ago. You know. Yeah. Come on. You, how many times has he defended it? Once? Uh, or twice? Twice to Derek Lewis? He just, he just won it in his last fight in March, and he's not once defended it. This is his first title defense. That's that's complete BS. That's what I'm talking about. Like The guy thinks he deserves the world on a plate, but he hasn't done nothing close to like what the Anderson Silvers did or the, you know, even I would say that the rivalry in the light heavyweight between like Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz, oh. um, you know, they they pulled that division for them to be like, listen, Dana, pay us more on views because we're we're now we're we're r- raking in money for you. So, and I'm sure he did, he did. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think Francis is full of shit, and I think I still think he's gonna win. I still think he's gonna win. But I think it's going to mess up the sport of boxing in a big in a big way. Never know. In a big way. Then he's going to start going after like Tyson Fury and and because he's a heavyweight, you know, he'll start going after Tyson Fury and 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 Anthony Joshua and like it's there's it makes no sense for you to even do have that conversation. You have no boxing experience. Why would you even talk about 
about fighting a top three, top five heavyweight at that point. You know, you have zero. You're you have a, you're zero and zero in boxing. Man. Yeah. Speaking of uh, boxing, um, it looks like um, Mike Tyson and Jake Paul are going to be fighting in um, 2022. <laughs> he better take out that knockout clause, and I hope Tyson knocks the hell out of him. <laughs> I. I don't know, man. I don't honestly see a way. I don't. I don't. It's not going to go the distance, but Tyson's got to hit hard first. He does. He does. He has to. He literally has to unleash everything he's got the first three rounds. I would say. Yeah. It's yeah. not. It's a wrap because he's going to kill him on cardio. He is because Tyson's what fifty three years old or so. Right, or yeah, bro. Yeah. And and Tyson is not like fifty three year old like. Ex fighter, he's fifty three year old, heavy drugs, heavy alcohol, heavy yeah. everything, you know, prison, all that. That's that's that was his life for many years. So he's not in tip tap shape either. He'll go three rounds, but he you better be ready to take everything he gives you in the first three rounds. Hundred percent, man. Hundred percent. All right, real quick, I just want to touch on. This. So really quick, going back to what you say. So so when when him and Roy Jones fought. Right in that uh, you know um, ex- exhibition uh, you know boxing matchup, right? Mike Tyson hit Roy Jones, and Roy Jones is like, "Whoa!" Like he's really punching, <laughs> yeah. and he's like, "Yo, he hits. He's still got it. He's hitting hard, very hard." Paul better make sure he's not getting caught because I'll tell oh, you. Oh, he, he's going to sleep if he's getting caught. All right. Um, let's see. Uh, Eternals. I, I can't bring myself to watch this, but the reviews have been ter- terrible. Have you seen it yet? You know what? I saw it up on Plex, and it was on my to-do list to watch. Okay. But then I realized that it doesn't really have much connection to the cinematic universe. It does, and it doesn't. You know, So I was kind of hesitant in checking it out. Then I read the reviews, and I was like, holy fuck, this shit sucks. You know, it's oh. terrible. Like. Yeah. Why did they even make it? It, it was, it, or it could be one of those where it starts the chain of something that's really good. Because one thing I want to tell you, based on the comics, they do come around to Kang the Conqueror at some point. Okay. So that would be really cool to bring that character in. So it could be like, you know how Iron Man, everyone shitted on the first Iron Man when it came out? Yeah, it could be one of those where it doesn't get better, but it starts something great. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I have no interest to really see it, but I, I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll give it a try. Although it does introduce the Marvel Universe's first LGBTQ character, apparently. So who knows? I'm just uh, so tired of all that stuff. Man. No. I'm sorry, I'm I'm not being PC, but I'm just tired of all of it. You and me both, my friend. You and me both. All right, uh, we got about eesh, a little bit over 10 minutes left, so we're going to try to get to this last segment here. Um, let me ask you, man, Portland's kind of stuck in this purgatory that they've been in for the past three or four years where they're a, usually a fringe playoff team or a playoff team, not good enough to win a championship, but not bad enough to land a top three pick in the draft or so. Is it time for blow the whole thing up and just deal McCollum, deal Lillard, and see what picks they can get back in return? So I, I've, I've been thinking that Portland's been on that cusp for a while, you know, to be honest with you. Okay. I, I think that they're going to go as far as they can go with two very talented offensive guards that don't have defensive – that have defensive holes within them, and they don't have enough – front court defensive figures to mask that, right? You don't have a really good wing to do that. Um, that can take away, uh, that can switch, you know, for these guys that have problems when it comes to defense. Both McCollum and um, Lillard both are score for his guards. That's pretty, or pass for his guards. Either or, right? And I think that it's definitely time for them to blow it up. As much as I hate to say it, Lillard needs to go on to a team where he's not first option. Uh-huh. That's where he's going to end up winning. So he yeah. needs to go to a team where he's not first option, and then he can come through and be a 1B if he has to, right? 
Yeah. Like, let's say, for saying sake, just, just to put it out there, I know it's never going to happen, but you have, like, fully functional top three, top five uh, Anthony Davis playing full season, no injuries, nothing, right? Let's say that's your number one on whatever team you're on. Having a Damian Lillard at that point would be would set it off, right? Yeah. Like a Giannis and a Lillard would be nuts. Yeah, 100%. 100%. But I don't think you can go to Milwaukee, man. I, they don't have the cap cap space. Yeah, and they, they're paying Middleton on, on a max salary, too, and they're paying Giannis on a max salary. Yeah. They they re-signed Brooke Lopez on a higher salary than they wanted to, I think. Um, they're still paying Bogdanovich some money. So, yeah, they don't. I don't think they have the space to do any of that stuff. But, like, if Lillard were to go to, let's say even, if, if he goes to the Sixers, and somehow, I don't know if Tobias Harris is still there or not, you know, in that scenario. If he's there, then it works. If he's not, then it doesn't. I'm sorry. Man, Tobias Harris is there. Um, imagine him going to Dallas. That would be insane. But both those, both Luca and him both need the ball in their hands. I think there's a clash there. Could be. Bound to happen. And Luca's very hot-headed. He's European hot-headed, you know, in a weird way. I don't think that that's going to work. I, I think... I think Lillard to the Nuggets would be absolutely insane because, you know, Jokic would 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 thrive on someone like that. He would rack up like twenty assists a game, just passing it off to Lillard because he's a pass first big. Really, he's not a score first big. You know, the offense runs around the Joker. So, I think that's another great scenario because Lillard gets his points. He's scoring, and Lillard's, Lillard's always averaged six, seven assists a game. He'll get that there too. You know. Yeah. That's what Jamal Murray was getting, basically. Yeah. Well, I guess if you were the Nuggets, do you trade Jamal Murray and maybe a pick and some other stuff for? Absolutely, absolutely. I would throw. I would. I would. As much as I hate to say, like you know, Jamal Murray, you're cool. You're great. You had a big. You had a big playoff run. You had, you did really well. You showed you you to be in the conversation when it comes to shooting guards. But. Coming off the injury you're coming off, it's okay. I'll take I'll take I'll take Lillard any day. A little bit older too, you know, a couple years older. Hey, I think uh, Murray's like what twenty four. I yeah I don't I don't know uh, I don't yeah and and Lillard's twenty nine so that's a couple years difference but still I would take it I would take it. Honestly, feel like the trade to make here is fairly obvious, and I think Portland gets back a lot of what they would want, and this team uh, thrives with it. If you send Lillard to Boston and you send back Jalen Brown and maybe the one-year contract of Dennis Schroeder over to the Trailblazers, and maybe you throw in a pick uh, like a 2024 top and protected pick to the Blazers. The Blazers aren't getting a dearth of picks back, but they're getting a young player in Jalen Brown, who's only 25, that you can now build around, along with Dennis Schroeder, who's only 28. And you still get to keep C.J. McCollum. And you still get to keep C.J. McCollum there. Uh, Schroeder's a a lot more better of a defensive uh, point guard than than Lillard is. And And in this case, uh, according to the Fanspo trade machine, which is uh, you can trade picks among other things, and they have a really good in-depth analysis, this trade is honestly doesn't equate to any more wins for either team. It's at zero wins for the Trailblazers, <laughs> zero wins for, uh, for the Celtics, and neither team's losing any any wins either. But I think I don't Ups- think- upside would be for you know, Portland to kind of get back the most they can get for their best player, I guess. Exactly. Because if you trade them anywhere else, I feel like you're going to get 35, 40 cents on the dollar. Getting Schroeder, even though he's only on a one-year deal, you can kind of rework that. And getting Jalen Brown plus a future first-round pick is, is pretty damn good. And I don't think the Jalen Brown-Jason Tatum combination works. I, I, you know, Boston. We've seen we've seen surges of it work in a in a, in a great way. Yeah. We've seen more often than not that it not works. And and that's having Brad Stevens, such a brilliant coach. Yeah. You know, coach both those st- 
stars into being who they are. And I don't think their coach now has the same capabilities that Stevens is. Stevens pulled a rabbit out of his out of the hat almost every year that he was there. Yes. From did. start to finish pretty much. Yeah. Oh man, that is uh I gotta tell you, man, that's uh I don't know. We got the trade deadline coming up in just a few weeks, so it'll be interesting. Um so some more rumors I'm hearing is uh, Ben, obviously Ben, Ben Simmons possibly going on the move. I'm hearing James Harden might not be long for Brooklyn. What do you, what do you take from that? I take that he might be tired of Kyrie Irving's nonsense. And this is like a win it or lose it kind of year for him. He Uh, wants that ring really bad. He's getting older. You can finally see him breaking down with his injuries the last year. This year and last year, um, you can see, you know, him kind of not slowing down. He's he's adjusted his game. He's such a crafty scorer. And now you can see that the last couple of years, he's kind of the way um, older players kind of settle into a role, um, you know, like a, a more carved out role, something that their physical abilities can, can withstand. He's yeah. gone into that point guard mentality where he can pass, and he's great at it. So he is really great at being a, like that kind of assist guy. But his scoring is going to take a hit no matter where he goes now. He's a little bit older. He's going to be second star on pretty much any team he goes on to. And if he is first star, he's going to have those Houston problems where he's going to have to shoot 35 times a game, you know. Yeah. And, and that's something that I don't. I think he wants to stay away from because – That'll take away from his long-term game as well. You know, his his availability to be around for the next 10 years or eight years or whatever, however long he wants to play, it'll mess it up. So I don't know where he goes from Brooklyn really to win. Um, Only thing I could really think of is, like, he's not going to Miami. There's no way. There's no way he's going to Miami. There's no way he's going to Miami. There's no way he's going to the Warriors. Yeah. Unless the Warriors, the Warriors have, they could throw like Wiseman, Kuminga, somebody else, and a draft pick. You no, know, but salaries wouldn't match up. They would have to, they would have to toss in Wiggins in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Because Wiggins is the only one that's still on the last year of his max contract. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. I, I don't. I'm very skeptical about something like that happening because then he's just, he's just looking for that ring, bro. He's. Desperately yeah. searching for that ring. Anyway, he's basically Gary Payton and Carmelo on the Lakers ring hunting. Yeah, yeah, that basically, yeah. Yeah. Gary Payton on the Lakers. You got a bunch of those guys, man. The guys that were chasing towards the end of it. And Gary Payton got one with the. He got one with the Heat. Gary Payton got one with the Heat. So I mean, he pulled one out. But still, like, Juwan Howard's your your guys that ride the benches just to you know Carmelo on the on the Lakers is what I see really. Yeah, that was his last ditch effort before he tore his ACL for the whole year. Poor guy. One percent. All right, we got very quick. Not much time left. Who would be? Uh, who's your current front runner for rookie of the year? Oof. NBA, yeah. Yeah, NBA. Okay, give me your top three real quick. All right, number three, I got Scotty Barnes, front yep. of rap. Number two, I got. Cade Cunningham, Pistons. Number one, I got Evan Mobley, Cleveland Cavs. Yeah, I, I like all those picks. Um, I like Mobley a lot. I like Cade Cunningham as well. Um, Franz Wagner, you know, I think is like a dark dark horse, like out of Orlando. Yeah. You know, Although the only thing that I think is holding him back is all the teams, all the guys I mentioned, with the exception of Kate Cunningham, whose Detroit Pistons are, I believe, like near dead last in the yeah. thing. But uh, Mobley is on a playoff contending team, and Scotty Barnes has Toronto in the tenth spot for that play-in tournament. So, and they're yep. five hundred. But Detroit and Orlando have the two worst records in the NBA. Right, right. I also like Chris Duarte as like a like a dark horse as well. You okay. Know? Jalen Green's also kind of on the lower end of it as well. He's but been um struggling lately though. He has, he has, he has. One guy I really like, you know, our, our guy, our our guy that we picked up in the draft draft, the semi. You know, he's been playing lights out since Levine's been out. 
averaging like almost 50 points a game. I mean, life out for a rookie for that matter, yeah. right? But um, yeah, that's kind of sort of my take, man. Yeah, uh, the other guy that's kind of been really impressive so far is Josh Giddy in Oklahoma City. Yeah, he's on my fantasy ba- basketball team. Yep, uh, he he's got a couple of triple doubles. He's he's yeah. playing really well. Seven rebounds, six assists. You know, his shooting leaves a lot to be desired. He's only shooting twenty-eight. But he's a playmaker. I think he. I like. I like the fact that he's. He's. Yeah. Uh, he, you know, he he does a lot of kick and drives. Um, yeah, he's good. I think he's good. Friday show. So uh, we will uh, be back on Monday. Uh, everybody enjoy your weekend, and we will talk to you soon. All, All right. right, man. I'll talk. Yeah. To you.